ask the young people if they go with uh, Miss Whitney there to a special experience, K through fifth grade. Of course, we have nursery care available. Of course, all young people are uh, welcome to stay in worship as long as they would like. Well, I've been gone for a couple of weeks, uh, and I'm still on vacation, as you can tell my uh, my dress. I wore this to annual conference, so you should be impressed trying to trying to help us here. Most of my colleagues wear suits and ties and everything else. So uh, let, us, um, let us pray together as we transition toward our teaching time and hearing the word. Uh, this prayer that we've been praying, and I hope if we pray it enough, maybe we'll uh, look at it and maybe we'll understand it. Maybe we'll start praying it uh, outside of Saturday night. So this is the Lord's Prayer from the Common English Bible found in the book of Matthew. Let us pray together this prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ taught us saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us now. Inner each of our hearts, fill us with your fire and your passion, that as we hear your word, our minds may be open, our hearts may be purified, our souls may be shouting for joy as we are bold in the proclamation of your word. Touch us, move us, take us into action so that we can truly be people of new life, people in action to share that new life for others, fishers of your lost. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, we're in the third week of our Go Fish uh, sermon series, and we're kind of asking ourselves the question, or or kind of looking, uh, you could say, at the idea that each of us who's here, each of us who knows the story of Jesus Christ, is glad somebody else told us that story but not necessarily willing to tell somebody else that story. Now, for the last couple of weeks, I know Jeff has encouraged you to think of those people who brought you to Christ. Think of those people that moved you towards God, that moved you back into church, that recaptured you in a time in your life when you were maybe lost or maybe struggling, maybe drowning in, in the sea of the world out there. And I had that list that Jeff compiled last week and uh, this Monday when we met as kind of a planning team, we prayed over that list and been praying over that list. Wonderful names. Uh, people I know, people definitely you know, and we just uh, thank you. Some of those people uh, weren't alive. Some of them have joined the great cloud of witnesses and are still, still fishing, still proclaiming God's name in the kingdom in heaven. So I thank you for that. I encourage you, think about writing that personal letter, not to... Uh, not to say, hey, you know, I, I know you just want to feel good, and of course that would make them feel good, but just to acknowledge, hey, there's a person in my life, and because of that person, I know Jesus Christ. You don't even have to send it, but if you do, I know it would touch their lives, and maybe they don't even know. Maybe you've never told them, and maybe it's something that they're going to need in a time when they have doubts. That's what being part of the church is about, being able to help each other. So I continue. I know, I know that was a powerful time, a powerful message. So let's think about that and let's do that. 
Now, one of the problems as we fish, and you've talked a little bit about this, I know, in the last couple of weeks, is that when we go fishing, when we try to share the gospel, we try to do it in the least conflictual ways possible. And we say things like, and, and we believe things like, well, if I live a, a good example, people will know Christ through me. And that's, that's correct. Uh, don't, don't hear me saying that's not true because that is true. People can see Christ in the things that you do, in the actions that you take, in the lives you live. But that's not everything. That's not enough. You see, the story of salvation that we live, the, the reason we're here uh, as a church, the reason we exist, the reason that we exist after 2,000 years, the reason that we gather every week is because in a moment in history, God came down, became one of us, and brought us new life. That, that wasn't a, a, a moral example. God didn't just show us how to live. God actually lived for us. God actually died for us, and God actually rose again in new life for us. That event happened on a day 2,000 years ago. That event happened in a moment in history. And so if we try to evangelize, if we try to fish, if we try to find, if we try to share our faith just through our example, just through our clothing, we're missing one of the most important things. We're missing the story. Because if you hadn't heard the story, you probably wouldn't know Christ. There are plenty of organizations that do wonderful things that are charitable, that help the poor, that help the weak, that live good examples. There's plenty of people who live good lives. Especially fishers. But we're here because of a time in history. Again, we're happy that someone shared the story with us. But we're afraid to share the story with other people. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm encouraging you to open to Acts 4. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you should start bringing them. Because <laughs> if you get home and you're you know, trying to remember what we read on, it would be good if you made some notes. I know that all of you do uh, open your Bibles throughout the weeks, <clears throat> every day, maybe two or three times a day. Or, you know, I know some of you got your, uh, you got your daily plans on your, your iPods and your iPhones there, but encourage you to read the Bible, bring the Bible, understand the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have them. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I would like you to have one. And if you want to have one, you can come talk to me, and you would not leave here without one tonight. We have plenty of them. We have a whole office full of them. And so if you have your Bible with you uh, or your phone with you or your iPod with you or your iPad with you or your Kindle or whatever you got, you can open that up or uh, open that uh, app up to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 23 to about 31. Now, Jeff uh, brought you up to this story. And I'll remind you, if you hadn't been here for the last couple of weeks or if you just need your memory, this is after Jesus ascended into heaven. You know, Jesus died rose again. He ascended into heaven on the day of Pentecost, which we celebrated a few weeks ago. That Holy Spirit came upon the hearts of the early disciples, and that was the birthday of the church. 
And so the church, which now has existed for almost 2,000 years, was born. And so Peter and John, who were fishermen, who were great men, but they were simple men, they were uneducated men, they were working class men, they were looked down upon. They went out into the world and they started to preach. And they were in the temple, and this is the story you've read over the last couple of weeks, they were in the temple, the big place. You know, that, that was the, uh, 2,000 years ago, the temple was the mega church. That was the Willow Creek. That was the Crystal Cathedral, although well, Crystal Cathedral, maybe not such a good example. That was the mega church. That was where everybody went. That was where the party was. Tens and thousands of people came to the temple in Jerusalem. The Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant was there behind a wall and behind a curtain and behind another wall and behind another wall and through a couple gates and only if you, you know, knew the secret handshake could you even go into the second or third gate. But it was there, and that's where God was. And so people came from all over the known world and they worshipped God and scholars and theologians, they debated at the temple. And here comes these two fishermen. Hadn't gone to school, they didn't have masters of divinity. They didn't have doctors of ministry. They didn't have rabbinical degrees. They hadn't gone to seminary. And here they come in and they say, listen, we got some great news. Jesus Christ, he is the Messiah. He died for your sins. He's our Lord and Savior. And the priests and, you know, all those other educated folks, they said, whoa, you can't talk like that. You can't have that. You can't do that. What's wrong with you? Here's these two dumb guys, these working guys, blue-collar guys, coming in and telling us about our God, telling us about our faith. And they said, if you keep talking like that about this Jesus Christ, we're going to throw you in prison. Peter and John, not being the swiftest gentlemen, said, I want to tell you something more about Jesus Christ. So they locked them in prison. And they brought them out later and they said, you know, if you would just shut up, all of this would go away. And Peter, being a hard-headed fellow, he was the rock after all, he said, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. And the priests and the scribes didn't know what to do at that point. They said, listen, um, we'd like to kill you, but... We don't have really any way to do that without looking like jerks. So we're going to send you home. Send you on your way. And so Peter and John, after this excursion of being threatened, being imprisoned, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, remember people were killed for telling others that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that Jesus Christ was God. People were being killed for that by the Romans, by the Jews, by everybody. Peter and John go back to their friends, their people. And this is where the story picks up in Acts 23. And we're going to spend a lot of time on it, so we'll read it through once, though. When they were released from prison, from the temple, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests had said and the elders had said. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together. This is everybody. They lifted their voices together and prayed. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. 
who by the mouth of our father David did say by the Holy Spirit, and this is quoting Psalms 2, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth set themselves in array and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. For truly in this city, there were those gathered against the holy servant Jesus, whom did and who was anointed by God, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever they had in mind. And thy plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to us, your servants, to speak thy word with all boldness. While thou hast stretched your hand out to heal, and signs and wonders are performed throughout the name of thy holy servant, Jesus Christ. And when they had prayed all of this, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. It's a great story. We don't read a lot. And it's a great prayer. And we can learn a lot about fishing from this prayer. I, I love how it starts. First of all, okay, so Peter, Peter and John come back and they're like, hey guys, you know, we've been talking about Jesus Christ and we almost died and we were almost killed. But hey, you know, God... Uh, God uh, saw us home. And they couldn't do anything about us because we spoke with boldness. And in one voice, I, there must have been, you know, my Methodist mind, there must have been a committee that was designated before they prayed to say, um, okay, so before we, before we start this prayer, we need to vote on how we started and what's going to be in the middle. It doesn't say that. They were so moved by the testimony of Peter and John, the disciples, the apostles. They were so moved that they prayed together in unison a prayer that no one had taught them before. We, we can pray a prayer in unison that's on the screen, but they were praying a prayer that no one had taught them before because God filled them with such spirit. And this is how they start their prayer. They don't start, I mean, how, how do we start our prayers? We say, um, hey God, and uh, our Father, and please God and thank you God and God you know if you're not busy could you you know maybe listen to me for a few minutes and the Cubs lost last night so I need some time in extra innings didn't didn't get to bed till 1130 had to get up early for annual conference but and so we don't really necessarily and it's okay because God is our friend and God loves us and we have a good relationship with God but we don't necessarily start our prayers in kind of the mindset that these people gathered, started their prayer. How did they start it? They said, Sovereign God. Sovereign God. They didn't say, Hey, Dad, or um, Hey, buddy, how you doing? Or, Hey, God, you know, I know we haven't talked in a while, but uh, how you doing? No, they said, Sovereign God, who created all of the heavens and all of the earth and all of the seas and everything in it. It's a pretty good way to start a prayer. Acknowledging that God is Lord, you know, sovereignty kind of means rulership, lordship over everything. We'd say kings would have sovereignty over their domain. And so God, they acknowledge is Lord and Master. I think the Common English Bible says, Master God. God who is Master of everything we see, everything we experience, the earth and the heavens, the stars and the animals, the plants, 
even human, uh, human beings. They say, sovereign God. They start by acknowledging that God is bigger than them, God is greater than them, and God has a plan and a purpose, and God is Lord of this world. That's a good prayer. That's a good start. That's a good thing they do because they just understood. They had this kind of moment, this aha moment, that, wow, Peter and John, who are the you know, first pope and then one of the prolific writers of the Gospels, you know, this was before Peter had written the letters in Peter. This was before John had written the Gospel and the letters to John. These were two important people. These were the two men in Jerusalem who actually knew Jesus, who talked with him, who listened to him, who, who were intimately connected, two of his closest friends. And they went off to just basically throw themselves at the mercy of the priests and the scribes, those people who had killed Jesus. They went straight into the temple and proclaimed the good news. So you imagine these people who were back in their homes, kind of maybe even hiding a little bit. They did not want to lose Peter and John. They could not afford to lose Peter and John, so they were scared. They were confused. And when they saw that even though they said, Peter and John, do not go to the temple, do not poke the bear, they said, God has brought you home. And that's a big God. That's a God who can do more than that. They say here in in verse 28, Herod and Pontius Pilate, they tried to kill you. They tried to kill our Lord. They had their plans. They had ideas. But their ideas and their plans and their machinations could not stop sovereign God. Sovereign God had a plan that was bigger than that. Sovereign God actually used Pilate and Herod and the Gentiles and the people of Israel to make the story happen. Everybody knew at this moment that God was pretty big. Remember, not too long ago, months before this happened, just months before this this story, Jesus was arrested. And Peter denied him and actually yelled and cursed at a little girl and said, I don't know, Jesus, who you're talking about. The rest of the disciples hid and they fled. And they were scared because they did not understand sovereign God. But here, several months later, it clicked. And they understood that idea that this is a God who's bigger than us. This is a God who's bigger than our fears, bigger than our joys, bigger than our plans. This is a God who is sovereign, master over everything. So this is their prayer. That's just the beginning of their prayer. This is their prayer if you, if you head up to uh, 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats, the threats to us, the threats to Peter and John. Grant to them that they may speak your word with boldness. How do our prayers go? You know, uh, Jennifer and I pray every night together before we go to bed or before she goes to work or while she's at work sometimes. 
And how, how do our, some of our prayers go? You know, Lord, bless us. Lord, protect us. You know, we pray, we pray before we uh, travel. Lord, keep us safe. Lord, uh, protect us as we travel. Lord, uh, protect us from illness. Keep us healthy. Keep us well. Lord, bless us. Lord, protect us. Lord, keep us safe, right? We like to be safe. Lord, keep our world controlled. Keep our world confined. Lord, don't change me too much. Lord, don't. No, we don't pray those things, do we? But we do pray, protect us. Keep us safe. Bless us. Yeah, yeah. And God does, God does thankfully bless us and protect us and keep us safe. But that's not what they pray. That's not what they pray. They recognize that they live in a world where because they are proclaiming Jesus Christ, they may lose their lives. Because they proclaim Jesus Christ, they may be killed, and eventually Peter was killed. He was martyred. Uh, we believe John maybe was the only disciple who was not martyred. All of the other ones killed in some fashion, some, some particularly gruesome fashion, actually. Many of the disciples, of course, killed. Many martyred. Many died for proclaiming them. But this is what they pray. Lord, we know that there are threats out there. We acknowledge that. But help us speak your word with boldness. They did not pray, protect us from our enemies. They did not pray, protect us from evil. They did not pray, bless us for the great job that we're doing. They did not pray, help us to be strong. They did not pray, help us to meet our you know, financial, fiscal responsibilities this year. They didn't, they didn't have a lot of those. That's a different service. They prayed, in spite of our threats, in spite of the enemy bashing down our doors, help us speak your word with boldness. And that's what we're here to talk about tonight. That's what, you know, this sermon is called uh, Fish Guts in the series. And that's the guts of fishing. Because, you know, if you go fishing, this is my least favorite part of fishing. I like to sit on the boat. That's my favorite part. Then you catch the fish, and that's pretty fun. But after you take the fish home, there's some work to be done. And they're scaling and deboning. And I would like to go just to the, to the eating, from the boat to the eating. That's my, the other, the guts. The guts is kind of the, the stuff that I'm not so comfortable with. And that's what we're talking about tonight. This is the guts of fishing. This is the guts of evangelism. This is the guts of finding. We, we want to be a finding congregation. And being bold is the guts. Because it takes guts to be bold. It takes guts to tell your story. It takes guts to share with someone for the first time or the hundredth time that Jesus Christ is Lord, that there's new life available for them, that there's something better than what they have. This is completely opposite of what we do. But that's their prayer anyway. They pray this and, and, and it happens. And they're bold. And lives are changed because of it. 
and the people of Israel are changed because of it. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was just known by a few people, has spread to every country on the globe because of it. You have brothers and sisters in every country on earth. And some of them, when they speak the name Jesus Christ, have real threats. Real threats. Not just being embarrassed, not just having people laugh at you because you're wearing silly clothing. Or, or it's not just one, it's just all of it together is really the problem, isn't it? It's not just one piece, it's, it's the whole ensemble. I unfortunately don't have, have brightly green-colored pants, but if somebody ever sees some, you know, get some safety green pants out there. But they have real threats. Threats of death, threats of arresting, uh, threats of being placed in jail. And so here's what's happening in this prayer. Two very important things. There's the acknowledging that God is in charge, that God's got a plan. And there's a prayer for boldness. Why don't we pray that? What keeps us from praying that? That prayer, Lord, sovereign God, make me bold, enable me to be bold, help me be bold, don't keep me safe. Whatever it takes, help me be bold. If that means there's tragedy, okay. Help me be bold. If that means there's trials, help me be bold. We don't pray that. First, because we think we're in control. We think we're sovereign. We think we are masters of our own destiny, right? We think we're in control. I got at least one sister with me who just, my wife found out this vacation. I, I just, every, she didn't know this until this, but every vacation we've ever taken has been meticulously planned. She didn't know it because I, I keep it under wraps, my craziness. Keep it low. Every vacation, meticulously planned, because I like to be in control even when I'm rest, resting, even when I'm relaxing. I like to know what's going on. I like to have a plan. That's why there's a 50-page plan for this church, because I like to have a plan. I like to know what's going on. I, I got at least one other crazy person with me. I'm just, it's just the two of us. I know that. I mean, I got one other kindred spirit. And so this, this summer, or, or this vacation, which was a wonderful vacation, uh, things maybe just went out of, out of control a little bit. We were supposed to go down with Jennifer's family in an RV, towing our car behind us so that we would uh, be able to spend a week in Georgia after they had all left for uh, or Jennifer's cousin's graduation, high school graduation. And then we were going to drive up, see my friends in Ohio, and then drive home. That would be our vacation. We get there Wednesday night to go and the hitch for the, the RV that we're taking just doesn't work. We have to make a decision. Take the car or, or take the car ourselves or just get on the RV and go. And we got on the RV and went. Got down there. We, we looked a little bit and said, oh, we can just rent a car. You know, and cars didn't seem to be very expensive for a week. And so we'll get down there. We'll enjoy the weekend. We'll rent a car. So we enjoyed the weekend. We had an awesome time and just a time of fellowship and family and after everybody left on the RV, we looked at the uh, rental cars, and yeah, no, the rental cars weren't that expensive, except once you kind of went into the fine print, you realized to take a car from Atlanta to Chicago, there were some surcharges that added up real quick into the more like the thousands of dollars than the hundreds of dollars. 
And uh, I a little tweaked a little bit at that point. <laughs> a little out of control at that point. But we figured it out. We got some airplane tickets and I felt better. But I like to be in control because I think that I have some control over my life. That I got some part of this. I was just talking to a friend today at annual conference and uh, I hope she's not listening. No, it's, it's okay. And uh, she's been a dear friend through the ordination process. And she said, uh, she came up to me during annual conference and she said, I, I've been wanting to talk to you and I haven't seen you all week because she lives down in uh, Louisiana now. And she said, uh, I'm having, uh, I'm having a, a similar story that you, that you went through. And she said, I've met someone in my church. She's a single, single woman and I was a single man in, uh, in my first appointment. And I, I met someone too. And she said, I want to talk about, I want to talk about uh, how to do that, how to date in the church, how to date someone who is part of the church and, and do that with honesty and integrity and do that in a Christ-like manner and, and do that in a, in, a, in a way that I know you did that. Um, and, and I want to kind of know, know what to expect, what to do. And, uh, and I said, I can tell you what I did, but most of what I did came from my desire to control my situation. It didn't come because I was honoring Christ. It didn't come because I was honoring Jennifer. It didn't come because I was honoring the church. It came because I thought if I did anything wrong, the church would explode. If I wasn't there, the church would just dissipate. And I love you all, but I didn't think of you one second while I was on vacation. Because I've learned that this is not about me, that I am not the sovereign Lord of the church. The church existed long before I was born, and it will exist long after I'm gone. It's the one thing that will continue to exist. I, we, I, I will say that, I will say that boldly, brother. The church will exist long after I am gone. And it will be stronger and more powerful and no, more people will know Jesus Christ well after my great-great-grandchildren have been grown and know Jesus themselves. We think we're sovereign, but we're not. We also don't pray that boldness because we just get so caught up in everything. Lord, Help me be bold, but as long as it's, you know, from about 5.30 to 6, and, you know, as long as it doesn't interfere with uh, Grey's Anatomy or Dancing with the Stars, and, you know, as long as it doesn't get in work, because I don't want to be bold there because I might lose my job, and, and, and not on the soccer field with the kids because I don't want the parents to think I'm weird, and, uh, you know, not, not with my friends because I like my friends and I don't want to lose them. We like to do things on our time. But most of all, I think we forget and we don't pray, Lord, make me bold. Because we forget that sovereign God has invited us to be part of that sovereignty. We've actually been encouraged, invited to be part of the story. I said we, we have to share the story because it was a story. It happened in a moment in time. It was an event that we are here because of. And we have the ability, we have the invitation, we have the calling to be part of that event. That event that still continues in history, that is lived out through history. God invites us to be part of that. 
My presence doesn't make or break the church. But because God has called me, I can be part of this story. Because God has called you, you can be part of this story. That's like saying, uh, I don't know. I hadn't thought about this very much. I hadn't thought about using an example here. But, you know, that, that's like if, uh, you know, Batman's coming out. I love movies. You know that. Batman's coming out. That's like saying, well, they filmed Batman in McChesney Park. And you had the opportunity to be part of that movie. You know, be an extra. They actually came to your house and said, hey, you want to be part of Batman? And I, yes. I got, I got, I got about 12 shirts that uh, testified to that truth. But no, thank you. You know, I don't want to be part of that story. God is inviting you to be part of the greatest story ever told. God is inviting you to be part of a story that doesn't just uh, end in a movie theater, that doesn't just end with a tearful uh, reunion, that doesn't just end after you finish the book. A story that is changing people's lives across the world every day forever. God's inviting you to be part of that. And if you really, I think if you really understood that, that, hey, God is inviting me to be part of something awesome, I might start praying, Lord, make me bold. Because I want to be part of this story. Because there's some cool things happening. There are some cool things happening at New Life. We could talk a lot about that. I want to be part of that story. And I want other people to be part of it too. They understood that sovereign God was doing whatever God wanted to do. We can't change what God's doing. We can't change the plan, but we can be part of it. And they are praying that they would not be afraid, that they would be bold, that they would have courage to be part of that, whatever it took. Even if it took going into the lion's den, even if it took heading into a furnace, even if it took walking towards that cross, whatever it took, whatever it would take, that is what they did. Now, boldness is not just speaking loudly, which I've been doing throughout this sermon. I get a little worked up if I haven't preached in a couple of weeks. And I, and I have to because I'm exceptionally tired after four days of sitting on my butt at annual conference. I may fall asleep if I don't talk loud. It's not just about volume. It's not about... The flashy clothes, I got some good annual conference swag. The swag this year at annual conference was pretty awesome. You like that, Todd? The annual conference swag? Yeah, some great swag this year. The bishop, the bishop gets the best swag, but I felt that I got a sufficient amount of swag uh, to feel good this year. So um, I'm real, really, really impressed. More than pens. You know, usually it's just pens. And Jennifer steals all my pens, so I don't really get to keep them. But I got plenty of great swag. So it's not, it's not about the... Uh, you know, it's, it's not about the volume of your voice. It's not about the clothes you wear. It's not about, uh, you know, being out on the street or knocking on people's doors. It's about being a man or a woman who is, it's about what, Todd? It's about feeling. Yes, it is. It's about being in a position in someone else's life and knowing that and feeling that and experiencing that, that you are positioned in the story, in the great story of Sovereign God. You are positioned in someone else's life to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes, by example. Yes, by your Christian t-shirts. Yes, by the music you listen to. But also by saying, at a moment in time, 
God became human. He lived for you, he died for you, and he offers you new life because he rose from the dead. And I want you to be part of that. Uh, Do I want you to be part of that so you go to heaven? Yes. Yes, exactly. I want you to be part of that so you can go to the heaven. And and, and if you have someone in your life who is near death or, uh, you you know, who is on their deathbed and you have not shared, that is the time to pray for boldness. But it's about more than the afterlife. It's about your family and friends, about people who you work with who are just lonely, who may appear happy, who may have nice things, who may have a nice family or or even a better family that you think in, in your eyes, but who are miserable and hurting and in pain, and you have the chance to offer them something better, some new life. Today, right now, not not just afterwards, but yes, afterwards, but today. You've been invited by God to be a player in the most important activity in the universe. Not just in McChesney Park, not just in America, not in the world, but literally in all the stars and all the skies and the billions of galaxies. The most important job in the world is for you to share Jesus Christ with someone in your life, someone who God has placed you in relationship already. Yes, if everyone in your life knows Jesus Christ, and I can't imagine that would be the case with any of us, but if that's the case, then you need to go out and get some new friends. You need to foreswear more, I guess. I I haven't figured out how to use that evangelically, but we're working on it. But there are people in your life There are people who want to hear it and they are waiting for you because they know you're Christian. You may not even think they know, but they know you're Christian. And they are waiting for you to tell them the story. And maybe they've been waiting for years. Don't let it be too late because today their lives can change. So you have some homework this week. It's easy. I don't, want, I don't want you to pray. Next week you can do it, but this week. I don't want you to pray, uh, God, protect my family, keep them safe. Don't pray that. Uh, God, God will protect your family, keep you safe. Pray, Lord, enable me to be bold. Pray this prayer. We'll, we'll make sure we get it on, you know, we'll, we'll Facebook it or get it on the email. Enable me to speak your word with boldness. You can just look at Acts 4.29. Help me speak your word with all boldness. That's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray when you get up, before you go to bed. Lord, help me be bold. At work, at home, on the soccer field, or baseball field, it's baseball season. I'm just so disgusted with the Cubs. I just, I'm, just, I'm just skipping ahead to soccer season. It's baseball season, so at the baseball diamond. At your favorite restaurant. You know that, you know, that waitress that you've uh, seen every week for 150 years? Pray to be bold. Pray to be bold. You know your, your brother or your sister who went away from the church and hasn't come back? Pray to be bold. You know that friend who you think has the perfect life? Pray to be bold. God calls us all in different ways. 
Now, if you do that, some things are going to happen. And you may not like them. So, so be ready. Because when you pray and you, when you ask things, God, God gives them to you sometimes. And when you pray prayers like, enable me to speak your word with boldness, things are going to happen. And one of those things is, you are going to be presented with more opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So be prepared. You don't need to memorize the Bible. You don't need to know it all, although you should be reading it every day and start with the book of Acts. It's great. We're reading it now, so it'd be good timing. Come to Wednesday night. Learn a little bit more about it. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to do everything right. You just need to pray for boldness and opportunities will arise. Maybe it's simply come to church. Maybe it's come to a picnic, wherever that picnic will take place, whenever that picnic will take place. Whenever we have a picnic, you can invite people boldly to that picnic. And it will be real bold because we don't know where it is or when it is. So. And secondly, you will be forced to face a fear that it's time you faced. And it's time you conquered. I know it lives in my heart. People call me up. Strangers call me up. Say, I want to talk to you. And they call, you know, they call the office. Say, I, I got to talk to you. I remember a man called, uh, or the hospital called. This was years ago. And they said, we have a man here. Um, he's not doing well. And he wants to talk to somebody. And, and we, we, you're the only person we could get because everybody else was sick that day, I guess. <clears throat> no, there, there wasn't a lot of people on the list, unfortunately. And I said, Lord, I don't, know, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what I'm getting into. And I, and I prayed that prayer many times. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel high every morning. I feel like that. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. But give me your boldness. Let me offer a message of good news. In whatever I do, whatever I hate, whatever I experience, and I've, I've been in the room when children have died and I've been in the room when families have lost loved ones and it's sometimes hard to be bold. And I've been in the room when a woman who had a lot of years to live woke up and was told because of her bad habits she was going to die. And it was hard to be bold. But we have to be bold. Literally, lives are at stake. Souls are at stake. The future of not just our lives, but all lives are at stake. The United Methodist Church is growing worldwide, but shrinking in the United States. It's gone in Europe. Europe, you know, the, the church was so strong in Europe, and it's, it's dwindled to, to now very little, and there's revival happening, and we pray for revival in Europe. But we're going to be where Europe is in 100 years if we don't speak with boldness. If we don't, ooh, we're having a party out there. If you want to talk about boldness, talk about our young people. I know it's scary. But if you remember a couple things, it won't be so bad. First and foremost, keep in your mind always, and I keep in my devotional, I keep an image from Revelation of God sitting on the throne in heaven 
with angels and weird looking animals and other things that I don't understand because I, I, you know, it barely makes sense to me when I read it. But this picture of sovereign God, not, not buddy, you know, not buddy Christ, whom I love and, and who is close to my heart. I love pictures of Jesus when he's smiling and with children, but I, I, I also have a picture of real big God. Not no old guy with a white beard, but just beyond words, God. To remind me that I'm not, I'm not praying to some dude. I'm praying to the Lord and Master, the King of all things. Master of the universe. Lord of all creation. Sovereign God. So remember, when you're afraid about being bold, when you're afraid about sharing your faith, when you're afraid about inviting a friend to church or an an undisclosed location picnic. Remember, God's bigger than all of that. You may lose friends, you may hurt relationships, but I think in the end, you're going to be part of something that's great. You're going to be part of something that's powerful. You're going to be part of the greatest story ever known. Now, here's the other good news. God, this God who was working when, when John and Peter were in prison, that God who worked in awesome ways to heal a blind man, that God who worked in awesome ways to free Peter and John and, and, and would free Paul later in Barabbas with an earthquake, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who rose Jesus from the dead. That God hasn't disappeared. That God's still working. That God's still present in the Holy Spirit in every single one of us, Christian or unchristian. Everyone has the spark of the Holy Spirit. Everyone has a piece of God in their hearts. So why, why be afraid? Yes, amen. And he boldly gave me life again, and he boldly gave you life again. And each of us is invited to be players in that story. You know that story of how you came to Jesus Christ. You are being invited to be in that story for other people. How awesome is that? Go fish. Amen. Well, we've got three more weeks to talk about all that stuff. Let's, uh, as, as we transition to the praise and just thanking the heck out of God for this great story that we're part of, as we just thank God for all the things we, we've been, and I know we're going to go a little late today, but uh, I was talking before church, so you know I got a little long-winded even before the sermon started. We just thank God for being a God who is big and part of this story, and over the last four days at annual conference, you know, we didn't do much in terms of legislation, which is great, uh, because sometimes that's the worst part of annual conference. But uh, in, in terms of the celebration, we celebrated ministry, new ministries, old ministries, ministries in uh, Illinois and uh, Eurasia. I didn't even know where Eurasia was, but there's crazy good things happening there. It's like in Russia. That's that area. It's still there and it's big. Let me tell you, that, that, there's one annual conference that has Siberia in it. That's a huge annual conference. And there's little churches hiding in basements, 
starting in houses, proclaiming in a very desolate, very dark, very oppressed place that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we can thank that because we're part of that. We're sharing in that story. We're being part of that story. So let us pray for boldness. We're going to collect the offering, and I be bold in that too. <clears throat> that's, again, that's another sermon series. But I just want us to mostly, not, not, not even lifting other things up, but mostly tonight as we pray, to pray for boldness. So let us come together in an attitude of prayer. Sovereign God. I'll say it again. Sovereign God. Master of all creation, Lord of the universe. My Savior, my friend, my Creator, my Father, my Mother, my everything. Sovereign God, enable your servants to be bold. We acknowledge that there are threats we acknowledge that there are forces working against us, that there are forces working against New Life United Methodist Church. There are forces working against the United Methodist Church. There are forces working against the church. We acknowledge that. But we do not ask for protection. And we don't ask for blessing because you have blessed us in a thousand ways. We ask tonight, in this day, in this moment, for boldness in the face of adversity, in the face of everything. Make us bold. Make us stronger. Help us. Go out. Share the good news. Because your son Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again, I am here. Many of us are here. Help us share that story with others. Make each of us here bold. Make New Life United Methodist Church bold in what we say and what we do in how we fight for justice and mercy. Make us bold. Make the people of the United Methodist Church bold. Make all Christians bold. So that we can once again enter a place where we can affect change, where we can have a voice be heard and not tainted or tampered by the misgivings and the imperfections of our hearts. But that we can step up and say no. Or say yes say our Lord is Jesus Christ. Make us bold. In everything we do, with everything we are, as we live together, fellowship together, learn together, and worship you. We pray these holy things. Amen.